0: Welcome, safety engineers. You mean... Choo-choo. Dude, every... <laughs> Choo-choo. Every week, we're really going to argue about this to open the show. It's probably going to get old after a while. Safety... I mean, everybody knows that they're called safety professionals by now, so... Mm,
1: disagree. So, on
0: top of that, right? Uh, what's the name of our show? The Culture of Safety. The Culture of Safety. I and think so, maybe today's topic should be talking about the culture it's about of safety time, right it's is it about culture time.
1: of safety or should we say safety culture
0: no safety culture is the the words that get thrown around all the time i think what makes us unique is we're saying that we we're talking about the culture of safety
1: yeah the actual safety culture the culture of safety we're saying culture way too much culture culture <laughs> anyway so i think this will be the first first half of two we'll talk about the lower half of the safety culture that we find out in in most areas, and how how we can really you know affect the ground level guys. I think, at least from my my experience, most of the time that I see a bad culture, it usually starts at the top.
0: Well, let's let's real quick. What do you when you're saying culture? What exactly like? What is your definition? Like, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I know there's a bunch of definitions, but one of the most accurate ones is just I, I would probably say they they they. Bring it down to it's how we do things right that's kind of the the most layman's term is how do we do things at work do we do it mm-hmm. this way do we do it that way how and why do we do things so you know when you follow a process what processes do you follow do you read an sop do you do a book do you do a jsa you know all these different techniques you know adds to the culture but i think you know Probably one of the bigger parts is the culture is the interactions between the supervisors, employees, and the employees with each other. So I'll give you an example of, you know, I guess you could say like a negative culture is when every time somebody has an accident, you know, you always get the, you know, get the razzing out in the field. Like, oh, you know, if you tripped and you you sprained your ankle and you were to come back to work like the next day or maybe two days later – you you can pretty much, you know, expect that welders and all your coworkers to be starting making fun of you and give you a funny nickname and stuff like that. And that'd be a, a sign of a negative culture you're saying. Um, I wouldn't say specifically that. It would just be I mean, that's just part of the culture. It could be it could be in good humor. I mean a lot of times, you know, guys, that's what we do is we we kinda like josh and we, we play around with each other and call each other names, just just be kind make like a bonding Scenario. It's more like when, you know, somebody gets hurt and people say, hey, don't say nothing. That's when it That's becomes a negative sign. culture. Yeah, right? sign of a... So uh, so real quick, before we get into this,
0: a positive culture, what do you think are some signs of like, how would I know I have a positive safety culture? or At least I'm
1: heading towards a positive safety culture. Well, one thing that I've noticed and I've always enforced is just when you go out in the field and you interact with your guys, they know you're there for them. You know, we're not watchdogs, we're not, you know, as you always hear, the safety cop. They know that they can rely on you to help them out, and then they will always come up to you first, hey Joe, this is what I see, hey Joe, I had this, this accident happen, hey Joe, I stubbed my toe at work, and it's it's fine, I didn't hurt myself, or hey, this happened at home, I want to, you know, let them know. It's, it's real open communication and honest. I've been in, in good ones, I've been in bad ones, and the ones that I've seen the best were the People feel comfortable coming to you and saying, "Hey, I made a mistake. I got hurt, or I made a mistake at home and I got hurt. I want to let you know because it can affect my work here." And you know, they they're not afraid of repercussions. Where I've been places where, you know, even when we had a first aid accident, and you know, the first thing to tell you, "Hey, go ahead and let us know what happens." And then when you tell them, they're like, "Okay, well, we're not going to use you anymore." I'm like, "Why? I didn't put I didn't put acid on this guy." <laughs> well, yeah, but you reported it. Uh, I'm pretty sure you told me to. We had an orientation where I was like the first slide, <laughs> so and you could tell it's like probably a sign on the wall that says report all right injuries. report all injuries. And and I did what I was told, right? You said Joe report all injuries, and you made me sign a paper said I would report all injuries, and when I report all injuries. Okay, we're gonna kick you out the job site. I'm like, but I didn't do anything wrong. I did what you told me to, you know. So I, that's obviously the one one sign and symptom of a bad culture or. You know, one thing I've seen too as well is when an accident happens and you ask the witnesses, hey, what happened? They're like, oh, no, I was actually facing over this way or, (laughs) you know, I was over half doing this. Nobody saw it, you know, some poor guy. Just everybody looked away as he got hurt. That's another – I mean, there's there's probably dozens and dozens of signs of of poor, poor – you know safety cultures out there, and there's probably probably I would probably say maybe only a handful of a things you could find as a positive.
0: I liked your definition because I think really it doesn't matter what uh, industry or organization you're in, uh, having that honest, open communication between all levels. If you have that, and that's truly there at the ground level, I think that's a really positive
1: sign of like a strong safety culture. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones that you could have. Yeah, and, that, and actually having. You know, wait to those words. You know, I've, I'm sure you've worked in many companies, too, where they have a quote-unquote open-door policy. Yeah. And I found in many companies it's more like a closed-door policy. You know what I mean? Or another way, I mean,
0: a lot of people say they have an open-door policy, but nobody ever uses it. Nobody ever attempts to use it. And you know why? That's probably because there's some drivers that you're not seeing, underlying drivers oh, that no, that's, that's are the enforcing a negative culture. There's
1: a lot of the drivers that they do see, they just don't recognize that. Or or that. You know, oh, hey, I'm going to go and report this thing. And then you just kind of get out of control and start yelling at everybody. Like, okay, so, you know, do you make me – do I feel like you heard me and do I feel like – that was a good move on my half. Now I just got three guys in trouble and I got myself in trouble. Like that's not what the whole point of, you know, me having open communication with you. It's, you're supposed to listen like, "Oh, okay. Well, how can we figure out this problem? How can we solve it rather than, okay, well, obviously there's some things going on and we need to fix this and we start going around yelling people and suspending them. You know, all you're really doing is you're creating that like I said, your closed door policy. Everybody knows, all the management knows, but they don't they don't see how their actions actually uh you know create that negative culture yeah no I don't I totally agree with that yeah it's uh one, like one thing that I want to talk about specifically and this is one thing that I've seen in my past employers is the probably one of the most important is lead by example and I have I mean I have a dozen of stories but One in particular was really important was we got a little slow in work on the project, we had three supervisors, and the three supervisors had to do actual work. So we ended up laying off like four or five guys on that specific location, and the supervisors, you know, had to pick up the work. What ended up happening is one day I drive up, and we have the typical supervisor. He's got an A-frame ladder. It's collapsed, and he leans it against whatever object and he's standing on it, right? Like, you know... A-frame has to be pulled out all the way. I tell him, hey, man, what are you doing? And then he does the whole joking, oh, see somebody, you know, they set me up. And, oh, you know, that was my bad. But I'm, I'm like, okay, hey, we all make mistakes. Don't let it happen again, right? Literally, like, two days later, I drive up, and he's standing on the top rung of a ladder with two supervisors with him. And I'm just like, we're going in the wrong direction. And two of those supervisors were notorious for not having any you know consideration for safety and so i knew automatically like and i kind of put that in their head I said, look man i thought you guys were, were friends you guys were homies you guys go to church together and all this other stuff i thought you i thought you cared about him. i do we well, have him here on the top rung of a ladder imagine if a customer comes up and sees that what do you think is going to happen you think he's going to keep his job no so how are you protecting him right reinforcing that it's more more about protecting the person i don't Honestly, it's not as that dangerous. I mean, it can be dangerous staying on the top of a general ladder. It can be. But it's not like, oh my God, you're going to die. Right? But it's more of the, there's the potential of getting hurt. Not only getting hurt, but you are you know you're the face of the company. You're a supervisor. If the customer rolls up and they see three supervisors when one on the top rung of a ladder, you can best believe they're going to have a fit, and it's going to be all on top of that one individual. I said, look, man, you're not even looking out for your homie. You guys go to church together. You guys always go out to eat, and you guys all hang out during the holidays. But then you're going to let him do something super dangerous like that? Or even worse, endanger his job? Yeah, I don't... And, and so, yeah, like I said, it's you know, it's it, trying to reinforce that culture. Like, you need to lead by example. Because exactly. when you're on the higher level... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll make mistakes all day, but I... I recognize it. I take the input. Hey, you know, what? I made to mistake. Thank you. I appreciate it rather than pfft, I'm above the rules. Yeah.
0: And then on top of that is recognizing that when you're giving somebody, when you're holding them accountable or not letting them do something unsafe or dumb like that, that you're not doing that just to get them in trouble or just, right. or whatever it is, you're doing that because you care about them and because you don't want them to get fired or get hurt or die or whatever right. it could be. And I think that's, that's really what a culture is, right? Is making sure that when you, when those things happen, that's received in a positive
1: manner and that's a, that's a sign yeah of a it's standard. how it's applied rather than just applying it like hey look I'm, I'm concerned about you and not just you but everybody in your crew because like I said three supervisors and one standing on the top of, a, of the ladder you best believe everybody's gonna go home and we'll probably end up losing work because of that you know not doesn't only affect those three guys but now you're affecting you know the paychecks of you know 100 200 other people within the company if not more. So people just don't uh unfortunately just understand that if you come in hot and heavy and angry and i've seen I've seen customers come in and, and we had an incident where you know we had a, a crane and it was a suspended load and there was a vehicle actually parked right next to the crane and there was another crew working and I just happened to roll up and here here's one of the here's that one cod well, that one the safety guy from the customer and i was like oh this is not good so he gets gathers everybody stop work everybody gets in a, in a circle and this is how he approaches it. he tells everybody okay so let's talk about what went wrong he hasn't discussed he hasn't told them what he found was wrong <laughs> everybody's everybody's literally dumbfounded nobody knows what's going on. i don't even know what's going on at this point so i'm in this i'm like okay let's see what's going on what's what what did we do wrong here you know he's very stern very, very, um, you know, abrupt, very, you know, um, not angry, but you could tell he's, he's got a temper on him and everybody's looking around like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And then he reaffirms, he goes, you know what? I can send all of you home for the next two weeks. How does that sound? And everybody's like, so, and he starts, you know, kind of threatening him. Now I want you guys to tell me what you guys are doing wrong. And so everybody kind of like, you know, takes a shot in the dark and goes, is it, you know, our, our danger tape? Is it this? Is it this? Is, it this? is it that? Is this and that? And, you know, obviously at this point they had lowered the thing down. So I don't even know. He goes, you guys had this object this high off of here. And if they had failure, it would have fallen down. It could have possibly killed somebody. I'm like, dude, you're about to send people home. The first thing you do is you're going to send, you're going to threaten to send them home. And they don't even know what they've done wrong yet you know, that's one of the things I was like, wow, you are enforcing a bad culture because no longer are they more, more aware of their jobs. They're more, you know, upset that you would threaten their jobs over something that they had no idea, right? Because they're crane operators, electricians, you know, you know, persons in charge, welders, welders, helpers, most of them aren't safety professionals. They don't have a master's or a CSP, or all these high levels of you know engineering knowledge. Oh, you had to throw that at the end because you realized like you said that. safety professionals. You like that, right? So it's important that we understand that they're not engineers, they're not professionals. They're just guys that come into work or gals, and they do what they what they what they're knowledgeable of. I know how to operate a crane. That's all I know. I don't know what welders do. I don't know about TIG and MIG and all these different things. I don't know about that. Or I'm a welder. I know how to buff and grind and how to do flats and pancakes and, you know, t six and 2s. You know, I don't know, you know, what the outriggers are for. I don't know about electricity or, you know, all these crazy things. And I think it's more important for us to educate the employees in a positive manner. Hey, look, we made a mistake. I want you to understand the mistake. And learn from it rather than just kind of like I'm gonna threaten you with your job because once once you threaten somebody with their job, they're not worried about anything else. And I think that's something that I want to kind of talk about a little bit about. Is do you know about the hierarchy of needs? No, go ahead. Of course, and you go course ahead. And you don't me know me, why I'm an uneducated professional. If you were an engineer, you would know what the hierarchy <laughs> of needs. But anyway, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh and yeah, Maslow. Duh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I know. I learned about that in philosophy. Uh yeah. It's actually. I mean. Uh, we can sit there and debate that whole thing for a while, but in reality, it, it comes down to is there's n- physiological, social, and emotional needs and intellectual needs that we have, and in order for us to move up and down, we have to have the bottom rungs met. So it starts off at the bottom with your necessities, food, shelter, water, that kind of stuff. Just, mm-hmm. hey, what air, what do I need to live, Right. And then above that, believe it or not, is actually where safety is, right? Security, you know, having, you know, money and being able to, you know, provide, you know, the necessities of your life. So I always tell people safety is not even first, you know, we always say safety first. Safety isn't even first on the hierarchy of needs. So after safety, then it becomes into like the emotional side of, you know, feeling like you're you're part of a group or you, you feel like you belong somewhere. And then you have your, you know, um, your uh, self esteem. Like, oh, I feel good about myself for a certain reason. Um, obviously, some people, like, such as yourself, have an inflated self esteem because they don't <laughs> have an engineering degree yet. But I mean, maybe you'll get there one day. Someday. 10, I mean, one years. class every three years, you'll get there. In, like, I'll be what? there, in, like yeah. By the time I'm sixty, by the time 60. I'm like sixty, you'll be you'll be there. Yep. Right, ready to retire. Like, I, I got my engineering degree. Hopefully, I don't sound like an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That was my best impression. And then after that, then you come into, well, one thing that I've seen is we call it self-actualization. It's kind of being who you want to be, right? It's putting those lofty goals, getting those high degrees or getting those high certifications. And then after that, and this is the one that's probably the least talked about is, you know, the transcendence. It's no longer about you. It's about growing others and kind of bringing them up. You know, they say it's lonely at the top, but it doesn't have to be. You know, you can identify those people that are, that have a solid foundation that went to, you don't have to go to, you know, for your degree, university, university to be a great safety professional. If you have a great foundation, some sort of education, you know, then I can, I can use you. If you don't have anything, if you only have a couple of little classes here and there, it's hard because you're going to be, you're going to be overconfident. We talked about this last. Last week, the Dunning Kruger effect the least education or less education you have, the more likely you are to, you know, make huge mistakes and not recognize them. Or you're mm-hmm. going to have an inflated, you know, sense of ability, right? And you see that with like teenagers when they first get behind the wheel, oh, I know how to drive, da 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 da, and they start hitting, crashing, everything. You're like, what happened? They had that, they, they didn't have that edge enough education to understand, hey, this is, this is where my lack of knowledge this is, where my gaps are. So for me, Everything I do in safety has to do – or not even safety. Everything that has to do with the safety culture has to do with that right there. We always have to consider what we say, what we do, and how we do it in in that triangle. Because if I knock you down and I threaten you with your job, you're worried about food. You're worried about air. You're worried about shelter. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to feed my kids? Right? Right? You're not worried about safety now, and now I'm gonna put I'm gonna put all those in your head. And you're gonna go right in the oil fields, or you're gonna go out to a manufacturing place, and all you're worried about is keeping your job. You think you're gonna be safe? No, because you're at the bottom of the rung. Yep. and that's I think that's something I've learned over the years. And I've seen it. Luckily, I may have done it. You know, I I try to look back and see on the mistakes that you know I've made to learn from them. But I've seen more. I've seen other people make it a lot more than I have. And that's one thing I've learned from seeing other people's mistakes is when you threaten them with some type of, you know, you know, adverse reaction, the first thing they're going to think of is, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get a ride up, whatever it is. Now I'm not worried about safety. I'm worried about keeping my job and I'll do whatever I have to to keep my job. Right. If I need to work faster, do whatever. I'm going to do that. But you can best believe I'm not going to be worried about safety.
0: Yeah. It's kinda like that term we get with the other term we throw around a lot, it's an air trap that you're putting them into. That it's just taking their mind off. It's a distraction that's gonna cause them to to fall into other traps and then
1: they're not worried about safety. They're not worried about safety. They're worried about keeping their job. And anybody who's not had a job for, you know, a month or more knows what that feels like and it sucks because literally you you could be with your family the entire day and you could be having the, you could be at Disneyland and taking pictures with Mickey and Minnie and whatever and all of a sudden that it's like it's like a lightning bolt boom all of a sudden all you get thinking about is like, how am I going to pay the rent next month how am I going to put food on the table next week you know right now obviously Christmas time it's even worse yeah. right you add holiday stress to it hey you're, you have a possibility of losing your job okay well I'm going to buy Christmas presents Right, so I think anything that we do in safety, we always need to have that Maslow's you know hierarchy of needs in mind, and realize okay, how how will my actions affect them, and where will it move them? Will it move them up or move it down? Because I've had interactions where I talk to somebody and it, dude, they made a huge mistake, whatever, but they learned from it. You know, I told them up front, hey man, I have to give you a day off. I'm sorry, it's not it's not my my call. Your supervisor wanted to give you three, but I talked him down to one, you know, and he's like, I appreciate that, Joe. And I said, look, man, it, the the object wasn't to get you in trouble. But, you know, once you have certain criteria and, it, you know, we talk about that, you know, significant injury or fatality, we have to act on it. We have to say, hey, man, is it suck? Yeah. But if you do it the right way, if you care about the person and you show them that you care, you can almost do anything. Yeah, I had to send him home and it sucked and I felt bad. But he took that and goes, no, Joe, it's not your fault. That was my fault. And he took responsibility and then he was able to take that and use it in a positive way. Because I didn't sit there and say, I'm going to fire you over it. I was like, hey, you know, we have to send you home. That's just how the rules are. You're not going to get fired. You know, I just reassured him. Like, you're not in super trouble. We're not going to fire you and take you in through, you know, the rack and show you in front of everybody and laugh at you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to learn from it. We're going to move on. And he still works there. Yeah. He still works there doing the same job. And he, he actually comes forward and goes, you know what? I made that mistake and I don't want you guys to make that mistake. Cause he learned that, you know what? Yeah. Our, our mistakes do have consequences. And luckily for him, it was just something going home rather than something falling into a 30 foot, you know, hole in the ground and possibly, you know, dying.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point that, really are uh, strong safety cultures aren't just all about being buddy buddy and always having a positive attitude i mean that's all important but it if is. there's no accountability yeah, then you're that's... never going to have a strong count- you you can go the opposite direction you you're can right. be too much on that on that one spectrum and you got to make sure you find that healthy balance of holding people accountable but also not over-threatening people and and trying to take away their job all the time and stuff like that you got to make sure you find that really good balance because yeah. that that's where you have that positive that really good culture, right? That there. is
1: another. That is another good point. Accountability is very important as well, especially when you know about it. Because you know, if you don't tell somebody when you see something wrong, it's pretty much like saying that it's okay for it's them okay to, do, to it. do it. Yeah, you're you're literally giving them permission.
0: People think that's like not when you tell supervisors that they're like, oh no, that's not how it works. That is one hundred percent how it works.
1: Trust me, you don't know enough about safety to even, make that kind of a decision.
0: Even if consciously, I mean, even if consciously like that, that employee. uh doesn't like figure that out i think subconsciously they're still in their head gonna tell themselves like it's okay for them to do it the next time every time it's gonna be a little yeah, bit easier to do it every single time because no one, ever, find, no one you know, ever says anything
1: like you talk about the human errors you talk about the deviation from your standards right yep. and i mean Deviational I, was, drift. I always tell people about you know think about like a chi- like a child i mean obviously no one's got you know a three-year-old climbing onto a stepladder but i mean think about your child running around with a pair of scissors Right? If you never tell your child to don't run around with scissors and they do it every day, they're, gonna, they're eventually going to trip, fall, and probably stab themselves. Hopefully, it's somewhere benign, and you know they'll get cut a little bit and they'll cry, and we'll kind of learn from that situation. But I mean, let's be honest, have there been kids that have been tripped and fell and you know got the jugular? Probably. You know, I got serious. Well, quick. I mean, I'm only speaking, like I said, from my ambulance experience, because we had that happen. I, we've had kids drown in pools. We've had kids, you know, and I, I feel bad because it's, I, you can't blame the kid. The kid didn't know. Right. And I, like I said, I can't blame the employee. The employees don't always know. And, you know, that's another. Let's, let's talk about that, too. I've seen it, too, where we have an accident. And the first thing that managers want to do is write them up. Well, they, and, and quote, unquote, they should have known. They've been there for such and such time. They should have known about that. And I look and I challenge them I'm like, really? You really think that you that they're going to know about this? We had to go to school to learn this kind of stuff. And you just think that it's going to be inherent in them just because they're around it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll show this interesting tidbit. Do you know what a dot dot is? So your homework for tomorrow is when you're going no to work homework. or over the weekend. Everybody here as well listening to this. When you guys are driving out, look at the road. You will see a little blue dot on the road. When you see that blue dot, look to the left or right of it. You will find a fire uh, fire hydrant. Those are in the road. I tell this story to everybody and everybody is blown away that they've been driving around their cities for decades and they've never noticed anything like that it's right in front of you you would never know it unless you actually were educated on it and this is why i tell people just because you've been doing it forever doesn't mean you automatically know you've been driving for 10 15 years 20 years and you didn't know that there was a blue dot in the middle of the road and if you look to the left or right of it there's a fire hydrant it's designed for firefighters as they're going down in the middle of the night it's hard to see this fire extinguishers or correction, fire fire hydrants. <laughs> I'm thinking like a safety professional, not the safety engineer. As I'm driving down the road, I have flashing lights, I have traffic, I have all these hazards in the way. I need to find a fire hydrant. Well, here's a little blue dot in the middle of the road. Guess where I found one? That's one of the things that I I learned when I was going through school. And sure enough, I tell ta- I actually had this conversation probably yesterday or the day before, and the individual's like, they they called me this morning. I, I never knew. I'm like, it's right in front of your face, and I and it was once again. It's a coaching tool. Understand that people can do a job for thirty years and they will be completely unaware of some of the most basic hazards. Yeah. Why? Because safety isn't common sense. You have to be educated, right? That's why we have the orientations. That's why we have hopefully good trainers. That's why we have high quality, educated, certified, and degreed. Safety engineers that go out there and be <laughs> able to change the environment, change the way people think, change the culture, and understand how their actions, their tone, their language, the words that they use, their, their body posture, body language. even I've even learned that depending on where you're at. If I call you in to the, my office out of the field, what does that signify to you? You're in trouble. What happens if I close the door? You're getting fired. You're in big trouble. <laughs> what, if I'm, what if I get your manager? Your manager in? You're done. Supervisor. Yep. HR. Right, and you can see how it could be completely benign. You could be like, "Oh yeah, you know, just hey, um, your your manager wanted to come in and, and, and just witness this." You called an employee out of the off out of the you know let's, even, let's say it's a yard out of the yard. Hey, I need to, I need to stay over half an hour. Hey, I just need to talk to you real quick, right? And then you have the manager, GM, whoever. That's intimidating. First thing you're gonna worry about, what? Your job. Yeah, you're gonna get I'm fired. not. I'm not gonna hear it. Damn. The,
0: every time we've ever called an employee in, that's I. You know, that's the first thing on their mind. Am I getting
1: fired? Am I getting fired? Just let me know now. Why? So I can just fire me. Let me get over with it, and then I'll deal with all the you know the records afterward. Right? No. I understand that whatever that we do needs to be done in a manner where it's it's designed to create a positive culture. Hey, sometimes you have to have those conversations. When I sent that guy home, I sent him out from the field. It was right in front of his truck. It wasn't like, oh, hey, let's go to my office. Let's pull you in. Everybody sees you in my truck because, you know, that's embarrassing. Oh, oh, Rob got in trouble. (laughs) Poor guy. I wonder if he's going to keep his (laughs) job. Right. And then the whole entire time I've been there. Crap! Am I gonna get fired? The whole it's a ten minute ride. The whole thing. All you don't worry about all all the other stuff. You're worried about okay. If I get fired, okay, well I gotta go to a temp agency. I gotta work on my resume. Where's my resume at? You're not even thinking about what you did wrong. You're worried about keeping your job. So I think that's one thing that I would I would give as a tip is understand how we go about. Like you said, we have to have, we have to hold them accountable. That's yeah. fine, but where, how, demeanor, all these things do play a factor.
0: And I think a lot of that like kind of like you <clears throat> you kind of mentioned is uh just the way you talk to them on a daily basis. Like you said you you briefly went through it, but like like you said the inflection in your voice, yeah. The way you stand there when you talk to them, your body language. I can't remember the, I'll have to look up the statistic, but there's a there's a statistic that says like so much percentage of what a person intakes from another person is from body language and so much is from uh like the way they're talking to you. Like there, there's more than one way is you have all your different sensors are mm-hmm. receiving information and uh, all those things add up to whatever they're perceiving that you're giving to them and whatever their
1: perception is, whether you meant to give that perception or not, yeah. that's it. That's what they're going to get. Perception in the absence of knowledge is truth. You know, if I perceive you to be threatening towards my job, whether or not you were, you were intending yeah, to, meant it it's, or not. I'm going to believe it. It's my reality. And, you know, I think that's one, I'll give you that. that's one, you know, quote that I got from one of my safety peers. And I was like, that is a amazing quote. I want to, the only problem with quotes is you can never figure out who said it. But I, I heard it from his mouth. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to use that, you know. Um, perception in the absence of knowledge is reality, right? And like you said, the way you say, let's go with the Pareto principle, which is eighty twenty. Anything, 80% of, of your response is based off of the way you're talking, the way you're standing, you know your posture. Mm-hmm. You know, Did I call you into my office or are we going to have this good discussion? Hey, let's just go off to the side real quick. We'll talk about it. Or I've even done it in front of other people just as a quick you know, coach, uh, coaching because I had that rapport with an individual and I said, hey, you know better. Right, and of course he's going to get razzed by his his coworkers, but they know. Like, look, I don't need to take you back. I don't need to, you know, have a tightening obsession and and bash you in front of everybody. You know, I know that you know the rules. Did you make a mistake? Yes, and I'm not going to hold you accountable, you know, and and put you put you to the coals. But at the same time, if I see it happening over and over, and i and I tell them, look, I've told you several times. I've told you, like it, like I told the individual who was standing on the ladder. I just caught you two days ago. I saw you on the ladder. We had a quick discussion. You kind of played it off and said, hey, you know, yeah, somebody set me up. But you were responsible for your actions, and I told you that. Nobody here is responsible for your safety except for you. I hope that these people that are next to you care about you. I do. But when I turn my back, I can't, I can't guarantee you that they're going to look out for you because they've already, they've already let you down once. I tell them, protect yourself. The second time I caught him, two days later, I said, I mean, you, you tied my hands. I can't do anything. Now you're going even worse. Not only are you not using the ladder correctly, but now you're standing on top of a ladder in broad daylight. We're on a, next to a very busy road that's commonly traveled. I don't want to get a phone call saying, hey, Joe, why do I have three supervisors, one on top of a ladder, working working like this? And I'm going to be like, I have no idea, Right. I had to hold him accountable. That's at the point I'm like, hey, we sent him home. And yeah, he was a little upset about it. But once again, I put it back on him and said, hey, I told you. Because you let these two guys let you work unsafe. Think about that. You need to talk to your friends. Why are you allowing me to work safe? I thought I cared about you, right? You don't want to see me hurt. You don't want to see me get in trouble. You don't want to see me get fired, do you? Why are you letting me do these dangerous things? So that's that's the message that we need to be giving is you know, it's it's not about the rules. You know, rules are enforced. I'm not cops. I'm not gonna hear and oh well you're going twenty two and a in a twenty. Like look, if you're doing something generally dangerous, I'll usually I kinda step up and I'm like, Hey man, this is gonna be very potentially dangerous. You can get yourself some real hurt. If it's just a minor faction, just be like, Look, man, just talk to him as a as a, a human being. Look, we all make mistakes Protect yourself. And I tell that to all my all my people when I do my pre-hires. Hey, you don't need to do your huge stop work and yell at everybody. Just sit down, talk to them as a human being. You know, the golden rule, if you will. Hey, protect. If you're not wearing gloves, hey, protect your hands. Protect your head. Protect your feet. Because m- most of the time, they just forgot. Or they got busy and, you know, they, they weren't paying attention and it happened you know obviously if we see it happening over and over again then we have a problem but for the most part 99% of the time it's just people forgetting stuff
0: yeah or distraction or getting in a rush or whatever yeah your
1: fun. human performances you know holidays i mean i've i mean i think i've had i've had a lot of experience with the human performance side for sure um, one thing that i I've, I've also learned that really makes a good culture is having goals you know, we need to set goals as safety professionals to, you know, increase everybody's knowledge and also increase their awareness of what's going on in the field. So not not just setting goals, but also communication. Yeah. Um. I've seen places that I I mean you have to I'm sure and a lot of people have, but we've seen the best and we've seen the worst. No communication whatsoever. No monthly meetings. No weekly meetings. When they do have meetings, they're just they're just a waste of time. Nobody even cares. Um, and then there's ones that where it's literally every single thing is is brought up. BBS, BBS, um, audit findings. You know, tier one, two, three audit findings. Um, different trend analysis and stuff like this. And even even that can be overwhelming for some people because right. a lot of people don't like math. So, but I think it's important for us to at least communicate the kind of kind of like the little little tidbits. You know. Usually, what I do is when I go through all my data, I make my data suit my 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 um, audience. my audience. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to give my my uh, my employees that you know have like a high school education to some of these you know statistics, and they would have to read all these crazy charts upside down, and even some managers can't even do that. But it's just understanding, like, okay, what does all this data mean? I showed you a trend. Show usually show a little trend line. Is it going up or is it going down? Oh, it's going up. Is that good or bad? Good. That's what we want to see. You guys understand in this category, in PPE, we're doing good. We're wearing all the PPE. It's in good condition and it's appropriately selected for the test that you guys are doing. What about this one? It's going down. Is it going down sharp or, or kind of like slow? It's going down sharp. Okay, so we dropped off on, you know, putting something dumb, like putting cones on uh, in front of our uh, our vehicles or. First, move forward, whatever you want to call it. It's just giving them the quick little tidbits. Okay, what do I need to focus on? What should we be more aware of? Where are the findings at? You know, communicating that with the employees.
0: Yeah, so you're saying that kind of information is educating the employees, which in turn is going to lead to a stronger safety culture. I'm trying to bring it all back to culture.
1: I'm trying to bring it back to the fact that, I mean, if you don't know what's going on, how can you have a good culture? You know, if we're not if we're not setting the goals and telling the employees we're setting goals, that they don't feel like we care about them. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I got in a lot of trouble. Well, I'm going to say a lot of trouble, but I failed. I failed an assignment because one of my professors wholeheartedly believed in, you know, I call it the drive to zero. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But it's like, <laughs> you, know what you know what I'm talking about. Like... You know, zero incidents. I'm like, bro, we have like 500 people working, you know, on average 45 to 50 hours a week. It's just not going to happen. You know, I understand that that's your goal. But, you know, they have to be achievable. You know, and zero is never going to be an achievable. Because you know what happens when you get a zero? You're missing data. People are more worried about getting that zero than they are about reporting incidents. Yeah, And then if you follow the other, you know... God, they always have all these darn hierarchies and triangles. But, you know, at the bottom, you have like first or near hits and then first aids and then first aid by professionals and then MFAs and then all these different terminologies. And then you get, you know, a stop, a work, uh, uh, a lost time and then an injury and fatality at the top.
0: Is that Heinrich's
1: triangle? Yeah, Heinrich's. Uh, three, it's like, what, 329 and 1 or something like Which that. Which has already been
0: proven to not
1: really... I mean, it's not those numbers, but it's, it's pretty close. No, like, I even, know, but... Like, the even pre-to-principles like, in, like, just 80-20. But it's, it's yeah. ballpark. But, I mean, still, like, the more, the more near hits that you're getting, the more likely you're going to have a first aid. But if you're not getting those, you can, at least you can predict you're going to have a first aid. If you're not getting those first near hits, how are you going to predict a first aid? You know, and that's the kind of thing that we need to be aware of is I, like I said, I'm not a big fan of BBSO. I've seen it work, but it's, it's very difficult when you don't have the right culture. Yeah. Culture plays a honestly, and maybe we can talk about this next episode is how, which is more important. I think I, I would say a good safety culture is more important than most other aspects of a safety, you know, program. I mean, yeah, those rules are a bunch of words on paper, but, if you don't have the culture there, then it doesn't matter. You you're- could
0: have the best, the greatest rules, the greatest procedures, the greatest equipment.
1: Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a good culture, If you don't have you're a good still culture, it get doesn't hurt. matter. It doesn't you're matter. You're going to have a bad EMR.
0: You're to have, if you a bad have a, X-Mod. Yeah. If you have a really, really strong culture for some reason and you don't have the best r- rules written down or the best procedures written down, you're still going to be keeping people much safer. You're going to keep people
1: a yeah. lot safer. And I've seen that as far as, I mean... I mean, I haven't done any actual statistical analysis, but from my ability or my experience going through different, you know, contractors as a consultant, usually any anywhere between 50 and below employee count, I've seen some of the worst, I mean, non-existent, you know, SOPs, non-existent, you know, IIPPs and, you know, safety programs. And they had a great culture and they just never had any accidents. And the thing was is that the managers were the owners the owners were the managers and not only were the managers the owners the managers and the owners were also the workers and they kept they had a rapport with every single employee and they cared they literally cared you could you could see it I'm actually working with a, a contractor like that right now is that you could see how much they care about their people and how they don't want to get them hurt and that's the culture that they built when before I, st- I even showed up they already had a, the culture built up And so they were already safe. So I was like, dude, this is an easy job. All you got to do is just take care of the regulatory stuff. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. They take care of everything else. They know that it's all about the team. Vice versa. I've seen people, like you said, with, dude, they they had a a lawyer come through and they made every single documentation. But because the management didn't care, because the supervisors didn't care, the employees didn't care, people were getting hurt left and right. And it's literally actually the same industry as as the other one that was giving you an example of and. of course, that's you know um hearsay or you know anecdotal data, but i'm I'm sure a lot of people here listening have have had those experiences where they've yeah. been in a really good culture and you're like, man, it's, everybody gets it. Everybody understands that we are a team, we succeed as the weakest link." And then you have other places where people are backstabbing each other and, you know, you have the supervisors going around not firing their PPE and telling people why I'm above the law. I'm like, hmm. No, even though that, that phrase has been kind of thrown around a lot lately, uh, that people think that they're above the law. It's not it's not true at all. You know, everybody, every everything that you do, especially as a, as a manager, especially as a manager, really puts an impact on on. You know. And I'll I'll give you this too. One thing that I've had with this last with this last company is like I said, we've had a couple of managers come out and they had that attitude where I'm above the law and I don't care. But I was able because I had that rapport with those employees, I was actually able to turn turn their um uh, perspective around. Like that one incident where uh the you know, the safety the safety guy came and kinda of yelled at everybody, threatened their job, you know, they were they were sore. You know, they looked, they looked defeated and kicked down. And after he left, I said, hey, guys, let's get together. And we just talked about it. I said, let's just talk about what happened. And just listening to them, just listening to their gripes and their complaints. They were all legitimate. They even said, they, he shouldn't have threatened our jobs. We didn't know, blah, 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 Like, Good. Sometimes all it takes is for people to feel listened to for a negative, you know, interaction to be turned into a positive one. Because then what we did is, we thought, okay, let's learn from this. How can we better talk so we can change their perspective around? And eventually it ended up kind of happening again. But they ended up changing his perspective on it. He said, oh, you know what? We don't know what we did wrong. Could you show us what we did wrong? Because we're not. And they kind of kissed his butt. But yeah, it was kind of bad. We kind of went the opposite. we right? like, oh, yeah, well, we're not as smart as you. And we don't know what's going on. And you know, he kind of at least was taken aback a little bit by the words. And he was like, you know what? Okay. Let me take a deep breath. Let me explain to you what I see. I'm like, yeah. I mean, you're highly intelligent. You're very analytical. And like I said, he's got a master's and he's been doing it forever. And he's got a CSP and all this, you know, the quote unquote gold standard. (laughs) He's got all those things. But even even somebody who's that knowledgeable and that educated can still create a bad, you know, a bad culture. Oh, for sure. Just like I said, just by using the tone of voice and your actions and what you say. So... Don't do it. Don't do what? Don't be making bad safety cultures. Yeah. So, uh, or what else you got? One thing. One. Let's go back. Let's um go back a couple of episodes where we talked about you know auditing. That's one thing that I've learned too is you can make a huge impact auditing. And I, we talked about auditing versus quote unquote engagements. And yeah. I think I think that's a good key that we should point out is. Every time somebody comes, every time a safety um, safety person comes out, what's everybody thinking? I gotta check my JSA, I need to make sure my logs are good, I need to make sure all my PPE is on, make sure all my employees are wearing their PPE, I need to make sure, you know, whatever mundane rule is going on, I need to make sure everything's good. Sometimes you can just say, oh, I'm not here to audit you. I'm not here all the time to be an auditor. No, I think that's Some, important to do. Sometimes that. it's, it hey, I'm just here to, to chit-chat with you. We got a couple minutes. Why? You guys, why I just want to talk. I just want to see how you're doing. How's your day going? It's not always, I always tell people it's not always about business, bro. It's not. You Get on their level. Look, I'm not here to just hammer you day in, day, in, day out. If I find something, I'll tell you, hey, look, just take care of that real quick for me, please. Okay, thanks, Joe. I don't need to sit there and coach you every single day. Sometimes it's just like you said, it's about the engagement. Let's have a talk. Why? Because then I become more humanized to you and vice versa. You can become more humanized to me. And so I can sympathize when you're having a bad day. I could see it in you. I'm like, you know what, Matt? Hey, you're having a bad day, huh? Okay, you know what? I'm just going to tell you this. This is what's going on. Just be careful. Right? Does your crew know you're having a bad day? Yeah, okay, good. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And, you know, they're like, yeah, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, we've all been there. Today was my bad day. Man, I was just up all darn night, and I am exhausted. But you know what? It happens. We all have bad days, and that's why we have to hopefully have a team behind us that say, hey, you know what? Yeah, Joe's struggling, so we're going to cover for him today. And then vice versa. You see somebody else, we'll cover for them. Having that good safety culture really has an impact on the employees.
0: Yeah. I think, like you said, having that good balance between a relationship and then also like the business side or the task side or whatever you want to call it. That balance is important, as you can tell. Like I, That's what I think. But balance is important in everything we do, and that's, that's yeah. especially important when it comes to Like I said, if,
1: you, if you're struggling on building a good safety culture, pretend they're your kids. I, I guess I could say that that's a, that's a, a hint I got from one of, one of the – actually, believe it or not, not a safety professional or engineer of any sort. She was actually a teacher that became a safety um, engineer. I, well. <laughs> Safety professional. She never got any actual, like, degrees in safety or certifications. But she... I don't know how, but she was a teacher, and then she became a safety person. And that was her thing. She goes, I don't know a lot about safety, but if I wouldn't let my kids do it, I'm not going to let them do it. And I just let them know. It's like that I, I I think of them as my kids. And if you think of them as your kids, you, you understand that, you know, sometimes you can't just yell at your kids all crazy because they don't understand. And sometimes you do have to punish them, right? You know, if you told your, your son hey, don't be running around with knives, and you told them three times, you know, usually you kind of have to yell at them, right? But after a while, you know, they're like, oh, you know, their feelings are hurt. And you come back and say, hey, look, buddy, running around with a knife is dangerous. It's very, you can get hurt, and you do that. And then usually, it's that little bit of coaching, that little bit of culture. So hey, why? you know what? Oh, you were just looking out for me. Yeah, I had to punish you, and I'm sorry. But, it was for your best, your was your best interest. And that's, that's what I tell... That's, I guess, a little hint I tell a lot of people. Pretend yeah, I li- they're your kids. I like that. Because, like, if, if, you're, if your kid's doing
0: something that's going to hurt themselves, and you just yell at them, go to your room, or don't do that, they're not going to learn not gonna learn why they're not supposed to do that. So, it's really important to make sure you explain, whether it be before or after, like you were explaining, right. why that's a bad idea, and what the potential outcomes could be. That way, hopefully, they learn from that yeah, experience. Like, oh,
1: that's why I don't run with knives, and that's why I don't do this, and... You know. And hopefully that's in turn
0: is what would help build a strong safety culture.
1: Yeah. Oh, it will. It will. Especially because then most of the time they if if hopefully if you build that teamwork, they'll see somebody else do it and they'll do the same. They'll be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I used to do stupid stuff like that too. But this is the reason why we don't do that. Hopefully. Hopefully. Not every like I said. Not everybody gets it. But you know, it's it's something that I think is really important to strive for is a good safety culture and just being able like i said having that open true open door policy not just put a bunch of words on on a piece of paper and say oh yeah anytime you have a problem come talk to me and then when they do come talk to you, you start you know bringing out the hammer and you're like okay but what was the point in that and i just got a bunch of people in trouble like yeah. that, it wasn't the point that i was trying to get people in trouble it's like i'm trying to correct uh, unsafe behavior so that's when we come out and we look and see oh okay i see what you're saying let's focus on this and figure out how to how to you know, change the, I guess you would say the culture or whatever is happening. There's two things that we should be focusing on. So we talked about the, you know, the hierarchy of needs and we want to empower, right? That's one of the words I like using, empower our employees. We want to give them the authority. We want to give them the knowledge, education, and the ability to stand up and do what's right. We don't want to punish them. The quickest way you can get a safety culture to go bad is bringing out that hammer. I'll give you a scenario. My boss and I went out to a job site. They were using um, saws to cut uh, cement, right? And they had little misters um, to to catch all the, you and know, the, 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 silica, dust, the, the silica. Yeah, dust. the silica dust. And I was like, uh, no. Like, how can you like, dude? Silica dust is l- nearly invisible. For those who don't know, such as yourself, mm. it's uh, five microns and less is, mm. lo- is literally uh, invisible to the, to the eye. And how are you controlling it? How do you know you're controlling this, right? If if something's invisible, how do you know you're controlling it, right? Well, unbeknownst to me, that was actually a policy that they came through and they actually had the customer come out and they did you know testing and everything. I made a mistake. I made a, a call, which I, I thought was right. And I said, oh… It was like maybe two hours later. I looked it up. And like, oh, dang. They were right. They can totally do that. So guess what I had to do? Go back. Hopefully I had to eat crow in front of not just them, but their entire crew. But it's fine. Because you know what? I did the right thing. I, I, was, I was more concerned about the... the safety culture moving in a positive direction than i did my own i guess humility but yeah so it was two things we found was that they thought you know a water uh, water truck driver couldn't have a class b and then my concern was that you know they were using the saw and they didn't didn't have adequate you know dust protection come the next day i i we they usually have safety meetings we had a little circle i said hey you know it wasn't even my my people i said hey i need to talk to your guys real quick and i told them i said hey guys um you know, hey, we're human. We make mistakes and I apologize for any, you know, productivity that you guys lost. You guys can pl- totally blame it on us. You know, and I had I had to had to move forward and say, "Hey, it was our fault. It was our, you know, it was our bad." But the other safety professional that was with me didn't. You know, and I think that was the that was the key indicator for me that he was more of a Safety, quote unquote, guy than a professional or an engineer.
0: I think that's the difference between somebody who's a leader and somebody who's not a leader. You're right.
1: You know, like I said, it's more. It's it's so much more important at this point. It wasn't about getting. It wasn't the gotcha. Ha! I got you. Mm -hmm. You were doing something wrong. I can go back to this dumb meeting with a bunch of high high up people, and I can I can roast you and make myself look good. It wasn't about that. It was about oh man, was was what we did out there effective? Did we go out there and make them feel empowered? Did we make them feel better? More knowledgeable about their job, safer? About them? No, they felt defeated. We 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 devalued our employees. We made them feel like crap. I'm like, damn, you're dumb. You don't know anything about safety. You're not supposed to use a water tender with a class B. Come to find out, it's a company policy, class B license. <laughs> no matter he he tried to argue six ways from Sunday. DMV, nope, class B. No, it's it's industry standard. Well, our company policy. With our company logo, says B. I'm sorry, you're wrong. There's no way out of this. You're wrong, and I think that's something that I've seen. I, I've, yeah, I've, I'll be honest. I've seen people with masters and CSPs even, even you know, kind of contend with being wrong. And rather than okay, let me think about what's really going on here. I mean, yeah, we can have our inner monologue. Yeah, I think I know everything, but it's not so much that. It's like, what effect am I having on my people, right? Like I said, I had a I saw what I did and I had to go correct it. Let's go back in the morning. Hey, guys, I apologize. I was wrong. We were wrong. You know, I'm here as a man saying, hey, I I messed up. And I want you guys to learn from my mistakes that, yes, you can operate that vehicle. You are correct. And yes, you guys can use that saw. And we apologize. We don't always get it right. But we are concerned about you. I was concerned about you. And that's the most important thing. That's why I want to come forward and, you know, kind of be humble. Like, look, we all make mistakes. Sometimes, sometimes it'll be bigger than others, you know, and I think like you said, it's a little bit more on the leadership side and we'll talk about that maybe next episode is management's role, uh-huh. management's role in culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where this is going to end up leading to if we keep going today.
1: So yeah. So we'll, we'll next
0: week we'll do talk about
1: that. We'll talk part two of the culture will be the management side and how, how management and how
0: leadership and management Also has a massive effect. Massive effect on the top end. On whether your culture is going to be positive or negative. I would more like say successful
1: or Or, that's what I was trying to come up with. Yeah, so successful or not. Well, these are these are the words that you'll learn when you go into like this place called college and university. You know, it's it's nothing big. Whatever. (laughs) See you guys next week. All right. Bye. Safety engineers. I'm not putting that. (laughs)